The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money, all right? That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. And welcome to your Week 13 NFL betting preview podcast from the Action Network. I am Chris Raybon, and I'm joined, as always, by the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, my guy Stucky Stuck. How was your Thanksgiving, and uh, how was your week? Uh, it was a fantastic week, fantastic day so far. Ravens under came in, and a bunch of college basketball winners. For the pot, I would have swept if the Broncos covered, um, <laughs> but they didn't. I think that was the first time in my life that I bet on an NFL team that had one completion. That was absurd. I mean, <laughs> we kind of talked about it, and I was willing to let you just – do whatever you needed to do with that bet. I mean, that. Well, I would have taken the Eagles yeah. plus six, so it would have pushed. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and what a crazy game that was. I mean, for them, a lot of people had six and a half, but we don't get to do this often. We're recording Wednesday night. We had an NFL game Wednesday night. It happened to be your Baltimore Ravens. So since we have no Thursday night football uh, this week, uh, we're going to do something that we don't usually get to do here on the pod, but I want to know what you thought of what I think is one of the most well-coached teams in the league, I thought making a couple of humongous errors, giving away uh, two chances at field goals. Uh, and then, of course, the Steelers offense essentially doing what we've been screaming about, which is struggling. Yeah, I mean, I had the under. Um, I couldn't see the Ravens doing much on offense. They actually did more than I thought they would. They had a decimated offensive line, and Dobbins and Ingrams didn't end up playing. The Steelers, unfortunately, lost Bud Dupree. But that, that Steelers offense is just not Super Bowl caliber yet. Maybe they can get there, but usually you know who teams are by this point in the season. It's probably the time to buy the Ravens. I had a couple people DM me, 20-1, to 1, and I said, yeah, 20, I took some 20-1. to 1. And the reason is, is, look, if they get in, they have the defense, just like the Steelers, they have the defense to win the Super Bowl. Their offense right now is nowhere close to a Super Bowl contender. They need to figure something out with Lamar Jackson. They need to adjust. So you're basically taking a flyer on Greg Roman and this great staff to figure something out offensively. But this is the time to buy the Ravens low because there's a good chance that they go 5-0 and to end the year and they go 11-5 and and then there's hype back on this team. Mainly it will be because they just had a really easy schedule. I don't know if it's necessary because they would have solved anything. So if you want to take a flyer, this is the time to do it and buy low on the Ravens. So, yeah, I thought it was a, an ugly game, uh, but pretty expected for a Wednesday afternoon game after all this debauchery. I thought, How about you? What were your thoughts? Yeah, like I, I totally agree uh, on all your points, on, especially on the Steelers. Did a piece a few weeks ago uh, on ActionNetwork.com looking at the Steelers and, and kind of their offensive struggles and found that, you know, Teams that don't have a top seven offense in DVOA by the end of the year, um, just two have made the Super Bowl over the last uh, decade plus. So the Ravens 22nd, the Steelers right now are 15th. So, you know, both of those teams have some work to do uh, to kind of get where they need to be on offense. So we're going to 
get right in to our Sunday six-pack. No Thursday night football this weekend, so we'll draft our top six side bets from Sunday. Then we'll go into our favorite total, teaser, money wine, underdog, all that good stuff. But before we kick things off two very quick reminders number one if you plan to bet the nfl this season and haven't downloaded the free award-winning action network app what are you doing it's got betting tools analysis for me stucky and the whole action network team and it lets you track every bet that you make you definitely want to download that app go follow stucky uh he's been killing these last few really this whole season uh so you can follow him see all his picks as he makes them uh number two If you want a chance at a free Vegas vacation, don't forget to enter our free custom weekly DFS contest, the Action Pods Tournament of Champions presented by BetMGM. 25 spots in our wildcard weekend grand finale are still up for grabs, so follow the link in this episode description and join for free today. All right, let's get into it. Stuck, no Thursday night football, as mentioned, so let's crack open the Sunday six-pack. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday six-pack. All right, Stuck, you are still maintaining a healthy lead. Almost swept last week. Have a touchdown lead, 36-29 on me. And you got the number one pick this week. Where are you going? Not safe yet. (laughs) Uh, You made a charge late last season, so I'm trying to keep building. I'm going to try to be nice, short, and sweet for once today. We'll see how it works out. But for my first pick of the Sunday six-pack, I am going with the Atlanta Falcons plus three at BetMGM. I took some plus three and a half earlier in the week on the app, so hopefully if you follow me there, you would have joined me as well. I still do like it at three. I make this one. It's a really interesting matchup because Taysom Hill is, what, going to get three starts this year, and two of them are going to come – against the Falcons. Uh, So they just played the Falcons two weeks ago. And the Falcons, I believe, closes a a three-and-a-half-point dog at New Orleans. I was on the Falcons plus five that game. I think it closed three, three three-and-a-half. After that game, look, Julio Jones got hurt in the game. He was limited today. I don't know if he's going to be able to go. I hope he does. Like, he'll, he'll, he'll weave a game early, miss a game, and then he usually comes back, lasts like another game or two. He'll probably go down like week 15. Yeah, it's just it's, – it's iffy with him because, like, whenever he runs a route, you're like, oh, don't pull up with the Amy. Uh, but I, I think he's at least going to start. Look, one of the things that I said, I thought Jameis Winston was going to start when I bet plus, plus five originally. And I think the Falcons did as well up until Friday when Sean Payton said Winston's not going to get into the game. Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill couldn't be more different quarterbacks. So they weren't real. I don't think they were really prepared for Taysom Hill. I'm not a huge Taysom Hill quarterback fan. I mean, what did he do last week? It was horrendous. It, I couldn't believe they were even letting him throw. I mean, all you had to do is punt and you won uh, after you got up 7 nothing. But – it, it hasn't been great. Even against the Falcons, we talked about it. Like, he, he threw a couple balls into the ground. He had that long completion that was underthrown by 15 yards. So, I think the Falcons will be better prepared here. And the Falcons' defense is just playing really well of late. You know, their, their linebackers, you know, obviously have Grady Jarrett trying, who can create some interior pressure. They're not – they don't get any edge pressure. Throw that out there now. But you don't really get edge pressure against the Saints with their tackles. So, I, I don't think it's that big of a deal here. But their linebackers are Deion Jones, Olekin, the, the, fresh, the rookie Walker's playing really well. Their safeties are playing a lot better now. 
Corner's still a weak spot, but I, I'm not that afraid of Taysom Hill here. I, I like the way that the Falcons run defense and play their safeties and linebackers just flying around, playing with a lot more confidence and understanding of what their scheme is uh, ever since really Dan Quinn was out of there. Oh, what so, a surprise. I mean, look, the Falcons are 0-5. This is a team that could have been, what, 3-2 and to start. They Their defense dominated last week, but they're 4-7. You know, Dan, you have Dan Quinn, a couple of those awful losses flipped to wins. This is like a 7-4 a and four team. So uh, I'm, I'm taking the Falcons here at home, catching three against Taysom Hill and uh, the Saints. I'll make, I'll make the Saints defense – they dominated that first matchup. I'll make them prove it to me again that they can completely dominate a matchup because I think the Falcons will be much more ready for Taysom Hill this time around. So give me the home dog here. Yeah, I think it's a good spot for a bounce back for the Falcons. You know, great, uh, you know, great point about they're going to be more prepared this time. And that could be the equalizer because the Saints really had the, all the advantages in that game. And I think really the one advantage the Saints pro or like the kind of card that the Saints Sean Payton you know knowing Sean Payton he hasn't been using Alvin Kamara much and I feel like the Falcons coming in that first game you're you're concerned about Alvin Kamara I know the Falcons can stop the run but they've kind of been using him as a decoy for these last two weeks uh, I wonder if we see more of him uh, in this matchup but you look at that game the Falcons held the Saints to 24 points and they have only, I think the most they've allowed under Raheem Morris is 27 points to the Broncos. And that was, you know, the Broncos just playing catch up late in the game. Uh, they, they've, they've been consistently holding teams in the, you know, mid to low twenties. And then the Raiders come in there off a great game uh, against the chiefs. And, you know, I was on the, the Falcons in that spot, you know, the, every, the, they got the, the Raiders got steamed. Everyone was on the Raiders. Uh, and it just seemed like, these teams aren't that different and lo and behold. So I think the Falcons are kind of like Gruden said, a much like the best three and seven and now four and seven team that he's seen. Uh, this is a pretty good football team. Sands Dan Quinn. I think Ricardo Allen getting him back uh, in that secondary has helped a lot. I think the offense really, I don't know about you, but I feel like every time, every Russell Gage target is just like a black hole. It's like he'll catch them all, but they go for like six yards. And this dude has the worst balance I've ever seen of a wide receiver. Like, no yak. He, he just catch yep. and fall every single time. And Matt Ryan just keeps going to him and going to him. They must have – they must do like just light it up in practice or something. But uh, I think that's where you need Julio is not, not even necessarily for like him to get like 150 yards, but just so that Matt Ryan's – you know, read, you know, his one of his first two reads is not Russell Gage all the time because I think that really holds back their offense um, when, they're, when they're going to him too much. So um, they should get him back. I don't expect much from Gurley, but uh, definitely a game that the Falcons can flat out, you know, win. You don't, you don't see the Saints lose uh, that many games in a given season, but uh, they have to lose a few, and they haven't lost in a while. So uh, I, I'm, I'm on board with that one. Yeah, under Raheem Morris, the Falcons are 4-2 and two after that 0-5 start. One of those losses was to the Saints, this, yeah. arguably the best team in the NFC. The other was because Todd Gurley didn't fall down right, so they really should be 5-1 and one, <laughs> uh, since Ray Morris took over with three or four wins as underdogs. So I think they get another one this week. Let's go to my first pick and the second overall pick of the Sunday six-pack. 
got some ugly ones this week, but I'm going to start with one that uh, is the biggest edge that I have projected in terms of my spread versus the, the market, uh, as well as the biggest edge that we have in our Action Network Pro models, which are driven by the projections of myself, Stucky, Sean Corn of the Odds Maker, Travis Reed, Raheem Palmer. You can check that out. Uh, at actionnetwork.com with a pro sub, but uh, it's the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals plus three at home against the Los Angeles Rams. And you look at the Cardinals, and they're on a four-game against the spread losing streak. Uh, They won one of those games against the Bills. If you got the number at a good spot, they may have covered that one. But I think it's a little overblown. Uh, I, I do think that Perhaps, you know, the, the shoulder is bothering Murray a little bit. They've only called three design runs uh, over the last two weeks versus uh, 5.7 per game over the uh, other nine games. So I think you'll start to see that even out. He's now, what, like three weeks removed from that injury. What I really like about Arizona in this spot is they've, they've been losing a couple games, a, a bunch of games where they could have easily won. They it could have gone either way. And now you're getting them as a home dog. I have this projected as a pick. and you look at Arizona, number four in blitz rate. Well, why is that important? You look at the Rams' four losses this year, all to blitz-happy teams. Miami, the third highest blitz rate. Buffalo, eighth. San Francisco, twice, uh, 11th. When you blitz Jared Goff, when you pressure Jared Goff, however uh, you come about it, good things happen. He's got a 39 uh, passer rating under pressure, just 4.2 yards per attempt, three touchdowns, six picks. Remember, he's without Andre Whitworth. And you look at this Cardinal pass defense, and even, again, just, just because they've been on a losing streak and, and they haven't been covering, doesn't mean everything's been terrible. You know, it's not like, oh, my God, they're just collapsing and uh, playoffs look so promising and now it's over. Over the last three weeks, they faced Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, Cam Newton. They've held them to a combined 5.94 uh, yards per pass attempt. Bottomed out with Cam Newton last week. I mean, he, he could do absolutely nothing against them. And this is a 6-5 and five team, five losses. Three of them have come by three points. Uh, and only one has come by more than one score. So this team is in every game. You're getting them as a home dog in a, in a game that I think all of us generally have projected somewhere between uh, a pick and maybe you have the, the Rams favored by a point or, or so, a point and a half, but nowhere close to – this number of three uh, that the market has out there. I think that's straight up just because the Cardinals uh, haven't been covering in a while. And you w- I, I went back and looked at some of these teams. Uh, I was curious, you know, teams that are on you know, big against the spread losing streaks and uh, four to six game against the spread losing streaks, uh, teams with a margin of victory uh, of negative four or better. So the Cardinals have a positive margin of victory. Um, they're a pretty solid team. But teams with a margin of victory, as long as it's negative four or better, uh, and they are, the spread is plus three and a half or better, which means they could be favored, they could be a dog up to three and a half. They are 52, 28, and four, uh, 65% against the spread since 2005. So uh, nearly doubling up in terms of wins versus losses against the spread. Uh, this is just a spot where uh, the, the, better, the casual better is going to be a little bit hesitant to book opens the line a little bit inflated. I wouldn't be surprised if it comes down as the week progresses, uh, but I love the Cardinals plus three. Uh, they, I think they are going to, to blitz Jared Goff, and uh, 
good things will happen for him. And, and the Rams needed some good things to happen just to kind of stay in that game last week uh, against San Francisco, uh, a team that I think is still not quite as good as the Cardinals, given all of the, the injuries that they're dealing with. So uh, like the Cardinals here, like Tyler to rebound, and uh, like them to create some, some havoc for Jared Goff. I make this one, Arizona plus one. I mean, I, everything I've been reading, I do think that Murray, they were really cautious with him last yeah. week. They kind of had kid treated him with kids' gloves. They really should have won that game. I mean, the Patriots won that game on special teams. But they had two 50-plus-yard punt returns. They made the game-winning field goal off there. Arizona missed it. New England had 179 yards and averaged 3.5 yards per play. How the fuck do you win an NFL game with those stats in 2020? I mean, special teams. And then the Cardinals didn't get in at the one to end the half, even though I think that they did. Um, so that was kind of a fluky loss. Yeah, I mean, so I, I do have confidence in Murray's shoulder from everything that I'm reading. It's obviously a, que- a question headed into this. And then you're going to have Jalen Ramsey on Hopkins, which will be a, a great matchup to watch. But, um, yeah, I think – the play here, I do agree with you. The play here is Arizona. The only thing that would scare me a bit with Arizona is one of their weaknesses this year has been – I mean, McVay is 6-0 and against the spread, covering by over two touchdowns a game against Arizona. What is Arizona – last year we used to joke about it. They can't cover tight ends. Now, they're a little better, but they're still like 20th in the NFL. They're like 23rd in the NFL defending the short pass. So – and they don't really let up explosive passes. So – that's one of their strengths, but that's not what the Rams do. Um, so is McVay going to exploit that again? Now, this is a, a new coaching staff within the past year or so, but it is something worth noting. Uh, but, yeah, Goff is just – he's going to make a couple mistakes. You know that. Um, but, yeah, I make this one from everything I'm reading. It's like if, if Mary wasn't healthy and I wasn't confident in the shoulder – I would stay away from this. I think that you can have confidence here that Murray will be a full go. And this is probably the most important game of the season for them at six and five. So yeah, I agree with you. It's, I missed the flat three. It's plus three minus one twenty. I'm either going to join you or if it goes to two and a half, I'll probably just end up teasing it, but we'll get to teasers later. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. All right, for my second pick in the Sunday six-pack, let's get ugly, folks. I'm going with the Philadelphia Eagles plus nine at BetMGM at Green Bay. Yes, the Eagles are on a short week. They're traveling to Green Bay after three straight losses. They're three, seven, and one. They basically need to win this game, or maybe not, given their division, but – this is the most important game of their season. Does that sound familiar? Last year on a short week going to Lambeau after a couple losses as a dog and they won outright. Yeah, that's what the Eagles did last year. And they've won a couple of these random road games. And here's the formula. The Eagles have the formula to compete with the Packers. How? Well, look at last year's game in Green Bay. Eagles ran it 33 times for 176 yards, 5.3 yards per carry, 
Sound familiar? Yes. Any competent rushing offense can do that against the Packers. Wentz only threw it for 160 yards, but he had three touchdowns. Why? Well, he wasn't throwing to his receivers, who can't catch anything this year anyway. His receivers had four total catches that game. He just threw it to his tight ends and backs, which the Packers struggled to cover both. So I, I think that the Eagles can come out here, control the clock, move the ball on the ground. Wentz hopefully doesn't throw seven picks because he's been so bad. But he can throw to his tight ends. He can throw to his backs. They can run some screens. Devontae Adams is going to get his. Look, Darius Slay, who has just – he's good. Metcalf last week is – pull up the shadow. Devontae Adams this week. And then I think it's Michael Thomas, Hopkins. It's just a nightmare uh, stretch for him. Adams owned him last year. Last year in this game against the Eagles, Slay wasn't playing. Adams got 10 for 180. And the Eagles still won. But look, even if Slay, and he's owned Slay, he owned Slay last year, he had huge numbers against the Lions. But even if Slay, who I think is over the hill, nah, even if Slay I mean, doesn't. He's been playing better this year. You he's been playing better, better, but I'm saying, better I, don't think, I don't think he's an elite shutdown, shutdown Devonta Adams. But no one, no one is. No, no one, one is. shuts down Devonta Adams. Yeah. So I don't care. <laughs> Devonta Adams is going to get his. Like, that's not. Him uh, and Tyree. It's not gonna, yeah, it's not going to fucking make me say. Uh, wait, Devontae Adams is going to have 150 yards? I can't bet the Packers or I can't, I can't bet against the Packers? Devontae Adams is always going to have a huge day. So, yeah, chalk that up. If Slay has the game of his life and shuts, shuts Devontae Adams down, great. The Eagles should have no problem covering. Uh, but there's a couple other things worth mentioning here. Jair Alexander has been the best corner in the NFL, arguably. He shuts down a lot of times the other teams opposing number one. That's a big part of their defense. That, 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 does that matter here? No. Your biggest strength on your defense of the lockdown corner, who's he taking away? Like, all right, you go, go take away Travis Fulgham or, uh, or Alshon Jeff. Like, who cares? So his strength there is dramatically decreased in this matchup. Another thing to keep in mind is Corey Lindsley, who by most metrics has been the best center in the entire NFL. He's probably going to be an all-pro. I think per PFF, he's a number one overall rated center. He's hurt. Last week, one of their guards slid over and played center. But this week, it's going to be – a rookie six-rounder starting at center and John Runyon Jr. He's likely to get his first career start against the Eagles. Where's dad, John Runyon? Many of you probably remember, played for nine years and made a Pro Bowl. Then they already lost Lane Taylor from week one. So this interior might be a little shaky, and it's been very solid. I mean, Lindsley's just a star. The Eagles' D-line can get pressure. I mean, Hargreaves is playing like a beast lately. A Fletcher Cox, their defensive line is great. So Rodgers gets rid of the ball very quickly. How you can get to him and how you can bother him, you have to hit him and you have to get interior pressure. I think the Eagles might be able to do that here uh, against a, a shaky center situation for Green Bay. I think that they're going to bring pressure up the middle. Singleton and Edwards, their linebackers, not great in coverage, not great in a lot of aspects, but they've been really good rushing the passer. So I think you're going to see them blitzing up the middle just putting ton ton of pressure on that interior Green Bay offensive line. I'm sure Rodgers will get his. I think the Eagles can have some success running the ball. And I think their defense could do some things in the interior. I make this a tad under seven. I know it's a bad situation for the Eagles, but we've seen the Packers kind of sleepy for a couple games here. And if you look at the Pack, I mean, you, you take a look at that Jaguars game comes to mind. If you look at the Packers, they're sitting pretty. They basically won the division. They play. They, they have the Eagles coming in now. Next week, they play the Lions. Then they're home against the Panthers. So it's like, I, I, they're, I think that they might, you know, they just come off a big division win to pretty much lock up the division. 
So you could catch them maybe a little sleepy here. Uh, I think the Eagles keep this within a touchdown. It's scary because Wentz has been so bad, but give me the Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. Yeah, I mean, this, like, at first glance, it does kind of worry you a little bit just because Carson Wentz has been bad. The offense has been bad. The receivers have been bad. Doug Peterson has been bad. The line has been bad. The the injury situation has been bad. Everything about that offense has been bad. But this, if you've been listening to this podcast, if you've been, you know, following my betting content at Action Network, you know that I'm always on top of these spots. These are the spots where you fade Rodgers. When you have a defense that can get pressure, Eagles top eight in pressure rate, according to pro football reference, without blitzing. Eagles bottom eight in blitz rate. Jim Schwartz generally going to rely on that D-line to get pressure, and they can. So that's been the combination to throw Rodgers off his game. Now, his overall efficiency, you know, has been improving against pressure this year. Uh, He's he's got uh, an 81 passer rating. That's 11th, but... Uh, that's a little bit uh, misleading because he's completing just 41% of his passes under pressure, which ranks 33rd of 40 qualifiers. So uh, you're kind of just introducing a lot of variance when you pressure Rodgers and, and you can drop, you know, seven in the coverage. So Green Bay, should they win a game? Yeah. By 10? Mm, then it gets iffy. And you do have some equalizers. You have Marquez Valdez-Scantling willing to match Carson Wentz mistake for mistake. So, you know, you got a, you got a few things working uh, in your favor here. But, and you also got the Richard Rodgers revenge game, you know, going for Philly. Interesting game, but this is, this is the fade Rodgers spot against a defense who gets pressure. Might not seem like it, but, I mean, the Eagles are impressive against Seattle. Uh, you know, maybe lucked into that cover at the end with the, with the ricocheted Hail Mary, but that not, not to blame for their defense. So, uh, yeah, you got to hold your nose every time you, uh, you bet on Carson Wentz. I, I get a feeling at some point they're just going to give Jalen Hurts like a, a whole series because, I mean, Wentz just has these awful stretches. But uh, that defense will keep him in it, and uh, this, is the, this is the spot to Faye Rogers. So I, I like yeah, that. Yeah, and, and look, the, the, the Packers' run day is still really bad. I think that the Eagles can lean on that. And, and it's not a defensive line or a group of linebackers that really scares me. Carson Wentz, yes, he's been horrific. No choice about it. The receivers can't get open, though. They can't create separation. And the offensive line has been musical chairs. It's been really bad. No continuity. But that doesn't scare me as much against Green Bay. Um, I think that the Eagles can really rely on Miles Sanders, some Boston Scott throwing the tight ends here. So we'll see how it works out. Yeah, this is, this is kind of one of those things where you have the uh, kind of the, the game theory betting trend working for you and the player specific trend working against you because you have and I talked about this last week with San Francisco I believe it was uh, but an underdog on a three-game straight-up losing streak which the Eagles are now on uh, those teams against the spread have gone 170 123 and 9 according to our Action Labs data uh, since 2003 a 58% cover rate 9 and 4 this season uh, but then, of course, Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau, 13 or less, minus 13 or less, 56, 28, and 4 in his career, uh, regular and postseason, 67%. But I went ahead and I looked up 
because I was curious. So those teams on those three-game losing streaks, you know, have they ever kind of run into Rodgers? So I, what did I do? I opened up our Action Labs database for that trend, covering 58% three-game losing streak going back to 2003. You can filter for opponent quarterback. I pop it open. Guess who's the most profitable quarterback to bet against when a team is on a three-game straight-up losing streak? Uh, Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers! Wow. Or seven and one against the spread against Aaron Rodgers when they are on a three game losing streak. And not only that, but it gets even better. Six of those seven games in Lambeau and the only person, the only coach not to cover. I'll give you another guess, Duck. This, this, this won't be hard either. The only coach not to cover in this spot. Seven and one. Who's the coach that didn't cover? I'm going to guess Dan Quinn. Bravo, Dan Quinn. Wow. So this is pretty much like, <laughs> like it's almost too good to be true, which means the Eagles will probably get dusted by like 45. But you, even the trends that are working against you are actually working in your favor. So I like this one. Again, Aaron Rodgers against defenses that can get pressure without blitzing. You're not going to slow them down completely, but it's the best way to neutralize uh, a team that is extremely one-dimensional and, and, and really kind of falls off after uh, Devontae Adams. So, uh, yeah. like Also, that. the Falcons The Falcons had like 11 defensive starters out that game. Yeah, and, and, and being coached by Dan Quinn is like having another oh, no. 11 defensive starters. Yeah. It's like 22. You're just missing their whole team. Um, all right, let's move on. So that was uh, your number two pick. For my number two pick and the number four pick of the Week 13 – Sunday six pack. I'm getting ugly. I'm getting real ugly. Like, like this might be my ugliest pick all year. Cincinnati. Cincinnati. This is, I mean, this is like a stucky pick. I'm surprised you didn't. I, I feel like you would have taken this if I hadn't. Maybe not, but uh, plus 11 and a half against the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins that you hate. I, I know that, that you've been looking for ways to fade them. And I think this is a spot. I mean, and this is purely a number play based on the fact that you have an 11 and a half point spread for a team that's really good on defense really good on special teams but you know are they starting two are they starting fits offense a little up and down dealing with some injuries fits magic it's magic it's magic and the total is 42 and and yeah that's probably the correct total but we know how hard it is to cover a big number, especially for a team that's not great on offense. I know Cincinnati's not great on defense either, but Miami not great on offense. To cover this big of a number uh, in a game expected to be this low scoring, extremely tough. How tough? Road underdogs plus 11 or more with a total of 46 or less. And, and the total right now, BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast, is 42 and a half for Dolphins, Bengals. It's the lowest projected score of week number 13. And it's just extremely tough for, for a, a team like the Dolphins, especially to cover this big a number. So you look back in history and, and plus road dogs by 11 or more, total 46 or less, 163 and one, a 61% win rate against the spread dating back to 2003 according to our Action Labs data. So this is that, this is the play. Like there's no, you know, hidden advantage to Brandon Allen going against, you know, this Dolphins defense. Uh, you can run the ball on, uh, on Miami, which also kind of helps, you know, not, not let these things always get out of hand. But 
at the end of the day, you know, Bengals, we saw them get a, a return touchdown, which essentially cost me the cover for the Giants last week. But uh, that's always good news when you're playing Miami because they do tend to have an edge on most teams on special teams. But Miami is, in a, is having to win by 12. Like, we, how did we get here? Like, I know my, my, I love Flores. Miami having a great season, overachieving. But Miami, a 12-point favorite in a low total game, I mean, this just screams fade. I mean, technically, from a line perspective, I agree with you, but I can't. Uh, I don't mind my. I don't mind Miami with Fitzpatrick. I don't mind Miami with Fitzpatrick. I, so I assume that he's going to start. Uh, I'm just trying to fade Tua. The Miami defense is really good. I don't see what what's Brandon Allen. I don't know how Sis is going to do anything. Last week, by the way, I mean you should have won that game. Uh, yeah, the Bengals were outgained 386 to 155. The Giants ran 80 plays. The Bengals ran 46. I said that. How do you w- win a game? The Patriots averaged 3.5 yards per play. The Bengals averaged 3.4, and they almost won because of special teams um, and some Giants mistakes. But the Bengals had 11 first downs in the game and 150 total yards. That's hard to do. And the, and the Dolphins have a better defense than the Giants. So, I mean, they're going to bring pressure. And Brand, I don't know what Brandon Allen's going to be able to do. And the one thing that Cincy does have that's really good is their special teams. Their special teams last year were one of the best in the NFL. They're really good again this year. But Miami is the best special teams unit in the NFL per DVOA. I still think I have the Ravens graded higher, but I have Miami is a top three unit. Jason Sanders has been awesome. So, like, since he's special – you say that Miami usually is a special teams. That's really right now I, – that's maybe – that's how – since he's trying to stay in games with Brandon Allen as their quarterback. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I make – you have my – I think I make this line 10-ish. So, yeah, that's uh, I can't – I can't disagree with you for the line value, but it's scary. You're back right now. But, yeah, in a total of 42 and you're taking 11 and a half, I don't hate it. Um, I mean, listen, I just look at it this way. They can lose 17 to 6 and I can cover this bet. Like, the, like first of all, Ryan Fitzpatrick is due for some mistakes. Like, as good as he's been playing, like, this is a quarterback that he's kind of like Phillip Rivers. Like, he can play well, but it's only a matter of time. Uh, second of all, I don't think they've ruled Tua out actually yet. I mean, we, as we record this Wednesday, I'm pretty sure they haven't ruled him out yet. I, I think there were reports that he, they're optimistic he might play. So that's actually a positive. But, yeah, it, it's an ugly play, uh, but I think it's the right play. Um, and it kind of – it really sticks out because we haven't gotten too many of these this year with the uh, with these, you know, totals going crazy and, 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 and team scoring. We haven't got a lot of these, like, big underdogs to, to bet – in, in low total games. So always am looking out for these, again, over a 60% uh, hit rate for these ugly, you know, 11 plus point dogs historically. So uh, I'm riding with Yeah, I mean, you, you also could have Miami just comes out sluggish. It's like streams flat spot, right? Yeah. The, they're, they're, they're playing the Bengals. The Dolphins right now are seven and four, sitting pretty. Guess who they have left? You want me to tell you? Next week, Chiefs then host the Pats, then they host the Raiders, then they go to Buffalo. Four playoff teams, four potential playoff teams in the AFC with the Chiefs, hosting the Chiefs next week. So wouldn't shock me if the Dolphins come out here and they're very flat. After evaluating millions of pieces of data in the blink of an eye, the Gambletron 2000 says the winner is... Cincinnati by 200 points. Why, you worthless hunk of junk. 
Uh, all right, for my third and final pick of the Sunday six-pack, it's kind of slim pickings. We didn't. We mm-hmm. have three games. We have two games on Monday and one on Tuesday. There's a lot of injury and things that I'm waiting on, including this game, but I'm going to take it. I'm going to take the Detroit Lions. Oh, yeah. Plus three at the Chicago Bears. Detroit! Situationally, good spot. Bears off the Sunday night, you know, loss to Green Bay. Lions had a couple extra days of prep. They played on Thanksgiving. And Lions have revenge for that game. They should have won. Now, if you look at these teams' records, I have them power rated pretty similarly. So I make this line, you know, division game, home field, not worth that much, especially since Lions had a couple extra days of prep. So this game to me is a coin flip. Now, there's a lot of injury questions for Detroit, which is the one concern here. Is Galladay going to play? I don't, it doesn't look like he didn't practice today. Doesn't look like Galladay is going to play. Trufant on IR. Is Swift going to play? Maybe that would help. Yeah, there's optimism and then on Swift the- is going to play and Amendola also returned to practice. So it looks like Galladay is the main question mark among the, the offensive guys. Yeah, and then like is Stafford's hand, what, what's going on there? I mean, you can, they, the last three weeks he's completed like one pass over 20 yards and that was a trick play to Hawkinson last week. Well, Marvin so, Jones also, I think, dropped one. So, they, I mean, they had some Yeah, that's true. But, but it's just – you could see the the downfield threat without Galladay just isn't there. But uh, will Akeem Hicks go for the Bears? That's a huge question because their defense without him is – he's, I think, maybe more important than Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack is probably better overall, but just the interior. You know, you already lost Eddie Goldman. You, I mean, you saw Green Bay. And when – in the past, when Hicks has been hurt, they haven't had him. The defense just isn't the same against the run and up the middle and getting pressure up the middle. Um, so that's something to watch. There's a lot of questions here, but I, I make this closer to a pick. It's Mitch Trubisky starting Mitch Bortles. You've just been Bortled. So I don't mind baiting them. I mean, the Bears are five and six. They've somehow, thanks to like botch call, beat the Bucks like by one. But they had a miracle comeback, two miracle comebacks early in the year. One against the Falcons and another against the Lions. They were down by like three touchdowns, and the Lions Swift dropped a touchdown to win it at the end, even after all the flukes. So the Bears really, without three like miracle wins, this team is two and nine. That's basically who this Bears is. Now the Lions aren't a great team, but uh, again, I make this a coin flip, and we have a new coach. Uh, this is something that I've talked about. In the past, per Action Labs database, since 2003, 30 teams have fired their coach in season, including two this year. Those teams have gone 14 and 16 straight up and 16 and 14 against the spread. You're saying 46% straight up win percentage. It's not great. And, but these teams won before the coaching change 27%. So it's almost 20% higher. They also were 37% against the spread before the coaching change and are 16 and 14 against the spread over those 30 games. On average, those teams are about four, four point two point underdogs. Oh, implied win probabilities. If you look at each game, they should have won about eleven games of those thirty. They won fourteen, so they won about three games over expectation. Why? Well, I've first. I don't think any of the players like Matt Patricia, and he has a burner. By the way, have you seen the Matt Patricia burner? I have not. This sounds amazing. Where is it? All right. So someone tweeted at me. Have you seen the Patricia burner? And they. I mean, the name, and I looked at it, and it is clearly Matt Patricia's burner. It's at Eddie P, E-D-D-Y, P, Lions fan. And 
first of all, the all of his likes are just people clowning Darius Slay in single coverage. <laughs> uh, oh, and no. all of his tweets are just about how great Coach Patricia is and how, like, staff – he's just recently t- tweeting how – you know, they, it was, you just have to read it. I mean, like, I, I got Lions would be better I, I, off moving on. Stafford is uncoachable. Surprise, Coach Patricia was right. If the Lions organization players would have listened, then everything would be different. This is two days ago. I, I got one from, uh, yeah, two days, November 30th. The only awful thing was Coach Patricia hitching his wagon to an organization like the Detroit Lions. <laughs> uh, Slay, he, said, he tweeted, Slay didn't have the work ethic to succeed under Coach Patricia. Ugh. And then uh, someone, someone, uh, Robert Flores says, never forget that time after just scolded a reporter for slouching. And then shows a clip. Eddie P. Lyonson re- responds, Coach Patricia has a thing called respect. Maybe that reporter should learn some. But it goes all the way back until the beginning of September, and it's just a Patricia, uh, and he shits on Darius Slay and a Patricia fanboy account. I'm convinced that's his burner. We, I feel like, you know, we probably piss off every team's fan base at some point during this pod because we're betting against, like, every team almost at some point. But, like, Lions fans, if you haven't seen this, you need to go check it out. I mean, he is coming at you, and you need to, like, just blow this dude up. Like, there's a, there's a tweet with Lions fans in air quotes. Like, go, go have at him. Just go have at him. It's great. And, yeah, the only likes are just people shitting on Darius Slay, which is just ridiculous. Um, More likes than wins, at least. <laughs> and uh, so he did, like, a tweet that said, Lions fans miss Matt Patricia, bring back Matt Patricia. Uh, <laughs> just a random right. guy. Uh, so, but I don't think the players liked him, so maybe you get an inspired effort here. But the main thing that I like about the game, the first game after, and, I mean, look, look what happened with the, the Falcons went out and buried the Vikings and the Texans covered against the Jags. But the, the one thing that I like, and both teams have been a lot better since, and I agree with those coaching changes and I agree with this one, but the main thing I like about the first game back is just, I've been screaming about the Lions need to do more than their basic defense. So I think you might see some more exotic play calls on defense because it's a decimated defensive unit. They got to blitz more. They got to try some different things, but it's just that you're going to not have as much tendencies, right? You have a new coach. You can try different things that you wanted to try that Matt Patricia wasn't driving so that that team that you're playing isn't prepared for. And you have a little extra time to prep here too after a Thanksgiving game. So I think that's where it works in your favor. The first game after a coaching change is you can kind of change up your tendencies because you're naturally going to do some different things as a new coach. So give me the Lions plus three. Give them like a coin flip. A lot of injuries though to keep your eye on throughout the week. Yeah, I mean, Matt Patricia probably responsible for Mitch Trubisky looking like a professional quarterback because the Lions have really been the only team he's had success against on on any type of consistent basis. And uh, now he's gone. So, you know, I mean, I've I've heard rumors that maybe they go back to Foles. So we don't even know what's going on. But this Bears team, I mean, even against a team like the Lions, assuming their defense is still just as bad as with Patricia – you still question where they're going to come up with enough points to win the game. And not, now they don't have to just win. They, have to, they actually actually cover. And as good as their defense is, the Bears are just one of those teams that you look at them and you're like, this team's not supposed to really be favored against anybody right now. Like, this is, this is a team that's struggling uh, to compete because of how bad their offense is. So, yeah, I, I like this spot. And I thought about taking it earlier – uh, but I did like the other two picks. I did have more of an edge. 
um, numbers wise. So I, I, I risked it. And uh, of course you took it with your third pick. And so I did that with the knowledge that, cause it is kind of slim pickings this week, especially cause we have a uh, multiple Monday games. Uh, but I knew in my back pocket that uh, I would have eight. Oh, wait, wait, let me just throw this okay. one, throw one thing out there about the bears started out five and one they're five and six. They've won one game all year by more than four points. One. And that was against the Panthers. And again, they were out game. They gave up 4.9 yards per play, average four yards per play. It was a coin flip game. One game. That was it. So this team is either lost or like won by like one or two on prayers. Like the Bears, they, they, they have major, major issues uh, on the offensive side of the ball. For you, I will say. I knew that it, I had in my back pocket uh, the third and final pick, the, the sixth pick of the Sunday six-pack, my third and final pick. And that's going to be the New England Patriots plus one at BetMGM against the LA Chargers. And it's as simple as this. I have this as a coin flip game. All I have to do to cover is essentially have the Patriots beat the Chargers. Now, the Chargers, they probably should beat the Patriots. They're at home, right? But you look, first of all, L.A. Home, home field doesn't mean much in general. Chargers home field especially means nothing. But the Chargers have beat the Bengals, the Jaguars, and the Jets. They've lost to everybody else. Now, granted, some good competition. But this extends to multiple quarterbacks under Anthony Wynn. Like, this is not just a, you know, a 2020 thing, a Justin Herbert thing. It's amazing that they've played 21-score games over the last two seasons. So that's 21-score games over their past 27 games. They are 4-16 and 16 in one-score games. And usually I'm betting on that to turn around, but there are certain coaches in this league, some of them fired already, some of them not. Anthony wins one of them that aren't. They're good motivators. Sometimes they're good players, coaches. That was the case with Dan Quinn. Um, Patricia, not so much. He's just kind of bad in all areas. But – you know, Dan Quinn was a player's coach. You know, guys liked him. Guys would, you know, practice hard for him, this and that. But came, came time for game time, and the preparation wasn't there. The in-game decision-making, the management wasn't there. And you're seeing that same thing with, with Anthony Wynn. Like, he's a great motivator. He's got good relationships with the players. But it just does not translate to on the football field. And, again, this is most – like, if this was just any two teams, I, this would probably be a stay away. But – it's Anthony Wynn going against Bill Belichick. Like, this is the coaching mismatch of coaching mismatches. He's 9-17 and 17 is Anthony Wynn against the spread at home in L.A. Uh, in his tenure, including 7-14 and 14 against the spread, just 33% as a favorite at home in L.A. And at the plus one, and this line, I've seen it anywhere from uh, – Pat's minus one to plus one, uh, minus 115 at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the pod. So shop around. But um, I like this like at a pick or better. Uh, love it. You know, if you're taking the Pat's minus one, don't hate it, uh, but uh, love it, pick or better. All I have to do to cover this number is for Anthony Wynn to lose another close game all day. Give me that all day. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. I mean, I – People always ask me about coaching. I have coaching 
built into my, my power. And it's like, I will, I will downgrade teams if they're just getting, if their coach is just performing really poorly in these spots. And I've done that for the Chargers. They just time and time again, in these late game situations, time management, and the Patriots get a bump for having Bill Belichick. But I, so I make this game a pick. So I, 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 I can't get there. Uh, but I, I don't hate it. I mean, just the Patriots are really bad. I mean, they're like yeah. bottom three and all the, all these defensive metrics. They can't throw the ball. Now, the one thing you work in your favor, the Chargers' run defense has been horrible. 31st in the NFL, DVOA. They're like 30th in running back yards, 30th in second level yards, 26th in adjusted line yards, 29th in open field yards. Basically, they're getting no push, and then they can't tackle you after you get past the line of scrimmage, and then you can go for 10, 15 yards. So I think the Patriots can take advantage of that. But I, I do want to just shout out Justin Herbert, man. I mean, he has been pressured on 36% of his dropbacks. That's 10, top 10 highest rate in the NFL. 98 quarterback rating. That's number one of 39 quarterbacks with 100 dropbacks. This is when your quarterback is NFL ready when they're under pressure. He's a rookie. 75% adjusted completion percentage under pressure. Fourth. Only sacked on 13% of his dropbacks. That's 30th. That's good to be 30th. So he's not taking too many sacks. Eight touchdowns, two picks. Uh, The guy's the real deal. But, yeah, I'd make this a coin flip. If your reasoning is Anthony Lynn's going to fuck it up, the Patriots – also, the Patriots special team is going to be a lot better. The, the Chargers special teams are also a disaster. So the Patriots could win this game simply with by out-executing the Chargers from a strategic perspective and coaching decisions and special teams, uh, which is what happened last week against the Cardinals. I mean, like, you just, you just kind of hit the nail on the head. Like, look at how good Justin Herbert's been. And by the way, hopefully – um, if you read my piece a couple of weeks ago on the rookie of the year race, um, got kind of lucky, but definitely recommended that Herbert was the top value by a landslide for that award. And, you know, next week Burrow gets hurt and Tua gets benched. So should be looking good there, but it's inexplicable. Justin Herbert has been amazing under pressure where most rookie quarterbacks struggle. Keenan Allen dog walks defensive backs every time he runs a route you have one of the better tight ends in the league uh you have you know a a big body number two you have talent everywhere on defense too like that defense has talent there's no reason that defense shouldn't be in the top half of the league and yet Justin Herbert playing out of his mind talent everywhere on both sides of the ball and you can't beat anybody and you can't win a close game there's only one way. There's only one place to point. So, uh, you know, we're getting to that point in the season where we can't target uh, Bill, Bill O'Brien. We can't target Dan Quinn. We we can't even target Matt Patricia. I actually think this is a good Adam Gase spot this week. So, not even not even fading Gase this week. So, uh, there's slim pickings in terms of the coaches we can reliably fade. But Anthony Wynn, thirty three percent as a home favorite in LA. The fucking money badger. The kicker calls. He can't make a kick. He can't. Worst nickname in sports. All right. That does it for uh, the week 13 Sunday. Six-pack stuck. Atlanta plus three. Philly plus nine. And the Lions plus three. I'm going Cardinals plus three. Bengals plus 11 and a half. And the Patriots as a mere one-point underdog. Oh, and speaking of Anthony Wynn, it's a good time for our coaches pep talk. This week's Coach's Pep Talk comes to us from the 1979 football movie, The North Dallas 40, and we're dedicating it to Anthony Wynn. You don't listen. What a wonder if we, we studied those tendencies. Oh, sh- you never give us anything to bring in the game except your f- facts.
facts and tendencies. You're supposed to be a professional. You go out there and oh, you're like, we'll work harder than anybody to win. But man, when we're dead tired in the fourth quarter, winning's got to mean more than just money. You're hired to do a job. Job! Job! I don't want no f***ing job. I want to play football, you asshole. I want some feeling. I want some f***ing team spirit. This ain't no high school. You don't have to love each other to play. It's just what I mean. You and, and all the rest girl. of you coaches are chicken no feeling for the game at all, man. You'll win, but it'll just be numbers on a scoreboard. Numbers, that's all you care about. F man, that's not enough for me. I don't have to listen to you. Oh, yes, you do. you got to listen to me for hey. once. You're all chicken suckers. God damn you. And just a reminder, if you want to see all of the picks, you can download the Action Network app, or if you already have it, just follow at Sunday Six Pack. And we usually have the picks posted uh, by the end of the week. So you can go follow along. You can follow me at Chris Raybon and Stucky at Stucky2. Uh, and of course, track all your bets on the app as well. So just search for Sunday Six Pack and the Action Network's app's follow feature for that. And to everybody looking to get action down this weekend, BetMGM has a great sign-up offer for Week 13. New customers can pick a game and bet a dollar to win 100 in free bets. If either team scores a touchdown, just sign up and make your first bet using bonus code ACTION100. Download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTION100 to bet $1 and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a TD in a game of your choice. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. Next up, our favorite over-under play of the week. It stuck. So you had the number one pick in the six-pack this week. I'll go first. In this segment, I am going with the under 51 and a half Houston, Indianapolis. A couple of reasons. Number one, Will Fuller. The dream is over. He is mm. suspended for the rest of the season. Go figure. He doesn't get hurt, but he's taking PDs. So Poor Leviton. Uh, what, uh, what did Leviton have? He started – he was – I think he has a bet on – a season-long bet with somebody on who has more fantasy points, Will oh. Fuller or Hollywood Brown. Oh, shit, who – and Hollywood Ooh, Brown got that. Uh, he showed me that. I had, but, he, I, but, but on Sunday, he was tweeting out – because uh, injury uh, – like uh, uh, the, the grave tweet, they're saying like people who call injury Twitter. And he was basically celebrating his win. And then two days later, it was announced that uh, Will Fuller – and Roby, someone asked me what's who's their best corner. Someone asked me what's in the water down there, and I said on Twitter, I said I don't know, but whatever is in the water, Brian Cushing is putting it in there. He's their. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I digress. Going with the under in this game because not only does Deshaun Watson not have Will Fuller, he also does not have Kenny Stills, who they waived, I guess, right before they found out that Fuller was going to miss the rest of the year, and. Randall Cobb is still out. So Fuller and Stills in particular, and I've talked about this in regard to totals, but uh, you kind of saw it play out in the Steelers-Ravens game. When you have a, a team, uh, you can kind of get more underneath passes and limit the average depth of target. It's going to help the game go under because you don't want, you know, chunk plays and, and quick scores and things like that. Fuller, 11.1 yards on average before the catch per, per reception. 
Kenny Stills, 11.5. Though they were number one and number two on the Texans in that metric. Uh, and they combined for over a quarter of the team's receptions. Everyone else is in the mid, you know, sixes and sevens in average yards before catch. So this is a major downgrade in terms of, you, you know, Watson's ability to get the ball down the football field uh, with now you're talking about Kiki QT, a guy who's um, going to do most of his work, you know, underneath. And, uh, and then a bunch of unproven guys or, or tight ends, whoever they choose to kind of throw in uh, behind them. Uh, you know, between Fuller, Stills, and Cobb, 41% of the team's catches. Uh, David Johnson, we'll see about him, but that would, you know, increase that even more. Just short on skill weapons for, for Watson. And then you go to in, Indy's side. And, you know, they have a good defense. They should be getting uh, some guys back on defense. But on the offensive line, Anthony Costanzo, the left tackle, sprained MCL, does not look like he's going to – uh, play this week. He's ranked 10th of 85 qualified tackles in pass blocking by pro football focus. Uh, so, you know, Houston, not really a team that you're scared of in terms of pressure, but uh, Anthony Costanza, one of the best tackles in the game. Uh, so that hurts. And the center Ryan Kelly also dealing with a neck injury uh, missed last game. Uh, we'll see if he can go this week, but uh, just kind of some key uh, pieces missing on both sides that, uh, don't warrant this game. It, it's essentially being projected as if these this is the same. These teams are at full strength, uh, which is not the case. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Will Fuller just took the top off that def- that offense, and it's just a huge loss, especially that you let Stills go. And uh, the Colts' defense will get Buckner should get Buckner back. It's solid defense, and their offense is just. Eh. Uh, I know that losing Roby will hurt the Texans' defense, but the Colts aren't going to wow you offensively so I agree with you there I probably will have some myself uh for my favorite total of the week I am going I've hit a couple totals in a row I'll try to keep it going and a lot of them have been I'm going to go right back to the well here for the third week in a row the Seattle Seahawks New York football Giants under 46 and a half I think the Seahawks were like seven and oh to the over to start the year I've hit the under back-to-back weeks I'm, I'm going again I think that you're going to see the Seattle offense trend more conservatively the rest of the year. Pete Carroll got his wish. You know, you had Russ Wilson had a couple really bad games, and he said, look, we got to go back to running. We'll go to more 12 personnel. It hasn't been as bad as it has been in the past, the past couple weeks, but I just think that's where they're trending. I also think the defense is trending up. The defense is starting to figure some things out. And it's Colt McCoy for the Giants. I, I don't know how they're really going to move the ball. A lot of how the Giants move the ball, people shit on Daniel Jones, but, like, he just creates, and yes, he will run for key third downs. And I mean, that's their offense isn't their offensive line is a great. They have the running game, and they're, they're going to lose that component of it. So I, I don't, I, I can't see the Giants' offense doing much. The Giants' defense will compete. They will u- try to ugly this game up. So I like under forty six and a half. I'll, I'll keep it simple. I think that the Seahawks are going to be have been a, a good under team the past couple weeks, and I still think they will be this week. Yeah, this is I, I like that because this is kind of a wait season development, but the Seahawks are turning into one of those like win 27 to 17 type teams versus earlier in the year, it was like 38 to, to 29 type type game. So um, the defense, Jamal Adams just helping a lot. You know, he's not a traditional pass rusher, but just to be able to get some pressure from somewhere is really kind of helping them get off the field a little more and just, and just kind of put offenses in, in tougher down and distance situations. So this could be a game where, Either you have, you know, both of these teams kind of just playing a low scoring game or 
uh, it could actually be a game where Seattle uh, has a rare like blowout and the Giants just don't live up to their you know end of the bargain in terms of the total. So uh, can't. Yeah, I, I I also think that there's a chance that Seattle's flat here. Um, yeah, that, you're playing the Giants. You're coming. You're on a short week coming across the country. After you know you beat you beat the Cardinals. You went to Philly. You won that game. You're in good playoff positioning, and you have on deck the Jets at home and Washington. So, I mean, so you're going Giants, Jets, Washington now. You're like, you know, you might take your your foot off the gas a little bit and like, well, we're in a good spot here. So they could come out a little flat on a short week. Uh, so, yeah, give me the under here. And you got uh, Bradbury who's been playing well. He'll be on Metcalf. We'll see, see if he can slow him down. So um, that could be a positive as well for the under. All right. So I have Colts. Texans under 51 and a half stuck going with giant Seahawks under 46 and a half. Now time for our favorite teasers of the week. Oh yeah. Six point teasers. For those not familiar, a teaser is when you combine two or more bets and you get an extra six points in a standard six-point teaser toward the spread for each team. So, for example, if you're teasing an eight-point favorite, they become a two-point favorite, and an eight-point underdog becomes a 14-point underdog. Stuck, you have a lot of great content at actionnetwork.com on the ins and outs of how to go about choosing uh, your teaser plays uh, with the essential you know, key point that you mention every week. You're, you're trying to tease through the key numbers of three uh, and seven, if possible. Uh, with that said, where are you going this week? Yeah, I already mentioned the Cardinals. I think they keep that one possession at worst. I might end up going in on plus three. This line, Mike, if it gets to a flat three, if it goes down to two and a half, which it looks like it's headed, I'll tease them. I like teasing them with San Fran. I think San Fran can keep that game within one possession, plus plus two and a half. It just fits the ball. But that's on Monday. We'll talk about that on the weekend recap. Yeah, I'll have a breakdown on that one, too. I, I, I like that game, actually. I like San Francisco in that game. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah, I, I don't hate San Fran either. Keep in mind, it's in Arizona. But, yeah, That's I don't hate that call at all. Yeah. I'll say the Cardinals. I'll go two Sundays. I'll go the Cardinals and I'll go Tennessee. I know it's not going through seven and three, but I'm teasing them down from six to a pick. It's Derrick Henry time. He should be able to run all over the Browns. The Browns are the worst, by a lot of metrics, the worst eight and three team in the history of the NFL. I think I saw Aaron Schatz tweet that out from a DVOA perspective. The worst. They played, what, two real teams this year, the, the Ravens and the Steelers, and they got trucked in both. This defense, like, they don't have their best corner. That'll hurt this week. Titans offense is just – it's really good. It's my, in my top five. I don't see how they can really slow down the Titans at all, and this is Derrick Henry's time. It's feasting time. Yeah, I think the Browns are in for a rude awakening here. And, and their defense – I don't, just don't think their defense is any good, especially without Ward. I know Garrett will be back, but think about They played all these bad teams, and then they played th- – you know, the, the couple of good offenses they played, the Texans, the Raiders, they played them in like 40-mile-an-hour wins. Like, it, it, their, their defensive metrics are meaningless. Um, so, yeah, give me the Titans. I think they get that. I think they get the job done. I, maybe the Browns can have some success on offense. I don't hate that over. It's really high, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I think the Titans win this game, no doubt. Baker Mayfield, every throw is like 40-mile-per-hour wins. Yeah, he missed a gimme. Unbelievable. In that Jackson movie. And then another gimme later in the, in the game to the running back, and then they didn't get the first down. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. This, I mean, the Browns are a team. I've, we've been fading them most of the year, so I don't hate that at all. This is, Titan, this is the Titans' time in general. I think 
like they're they're built for this time of year. They showed that last year. Uh, I will go with the kind of swim pickings on the Sunday slate, uh, but I'm going with the Lions, teasing them up to nine. The Bears have won by four, 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 one, and seven. They haven't won by eight or more this year. So uh, their biggest win is by seven. Their other f- four wins are by four or less. So like the Lions up to plus nine. And then the second one was tough. Uh, going with the Packers through the three and the uh, seven, you know, down to two and a half here. Listen, I think the Eagles can keep it close. This is not my favorite spot for Aaron Rodgers, but uh, I think this is just another one of those games where the Eagles come up just short because Carson Wentz is not working with enough, uh, in my opinion. So uh, like the Packers to, to squeak one out here. Uh, on a swim picking Sunday as far as teasers are concerned. So Lions pack. The NFL season is upon us and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. All right, now it is time for our Moneyline Underdog Parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. All right, Stuck. Uh, you know the Jets last week? I went the Jets last week, which didn't work out. Although I was – it was beginning of the week. I was hoping that Tua went, and I just – but he didn't. I was hoping he would get a disaster game from him. This is Adam Gase. This is what the, his, the offense is finally going to look like uh, at full strength with Darn and all the receivers. We saw the output, three points. Uh, I'll keep it simple here. I already talked about it earlier. Give me the Falcons. I hate myself. You mentioned earlier in the pod that, uh, you know, if you bet on the Jets, you hate yourself. This is the week I'm going with the Jets for oh, a money no. line dog. I think out of all the weeks, I think they get a win sometime this season. I think it very well may come this week. You look at the, the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Raiders are a team that are capable. There, there are a few teams like this, but capable of beating anyone and capable of losing it to anyone. And they've kind of showed that, uh, you know, with how they played Kansas City to then go into Atlanta and lose 43 to 6. But I remember, if I remember correctly, I, I think I was fading the Raiders against the Jets at this time last year. Uh, Raiders, I think, were 6 and 4 at the time with a negative point differential. This year, they're 6 and 5 with a negative point differential. Uh, the Jets kicked off a losing streak, beat them 34 to 3 last year. Uh, so maybe that was the Falcons game for the Raiders, but. They had no business losing to the Jets 34-3 last year. They had no business losing to the Falcons 40-whatever-it-was to six last week. Uh, This is a team that can play really bad uh, on any given Sunday. And you look at the Jets and what can they do well. 
they can stop the run up front, you know, and, oh, Josh Jacobs, sprained ankle. So he's iffy for the game. Even if he goes, probably won't be 100%. Now you're putting it on Derek Carr and these underwhelming, this underwhelming group of pass catchers outside of uh, Waller. You know, Nelson Aguilar is kind of the de facto number one receiver. Two bad defenses. Uh, any given Sunday, I think it can happen. And uh, according to our Action Labs data, teams with a win percentage of below 20 going against teams with a win percentage of 55 or below, which the Raiders just squeak in, you know, six and five, just squeak in uh, there. Uh, in the third quarter of the season, the teams with the win percentage below 20% are 24 and 16 straight up. It's a major upset spot uh, this time of the year. You just never look at, you just kind of look at the Raiders and you say, okay, they're above 500. They'll easily take care of the Jets. Uh, but this is, a winnable game for the Jets. I think it's a lot different than going against Miami, who the Jets scored three points against in two in eight quarters. Uh, you know, they just they Miami just had their number. Brian, Brian Flores had their number. Uh, but Raiders going across the country, uh, another tough spot for them. Holiday weekend, uh, beginning of a letdown for them. Same time last year, uh, going back to the well. Jets get their first and probably only win of the season this week. Sure. Uh, I don't hate it. I mean, I don't hate it. Maybe Gruden, they can, they can have these stinkers and uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I make this not eight or nine. So, I mean, I'm not betting it and uh, I am going to retire. I think I'm going to retire. I hope, but there's still a couple of games left, but I'm going to be, I'm going to finish undefeated against the spread betting on the jets at one and zero this year. That's my goal. So, all right, there it is. Jets and Falcons. Yeah. I mean, if you uh, if you ever want to reconsider, this is actually a great the one of the few gay spots off a loss, non-divisional. There are home. gay spots. Yeah, look, listen to this off a loss, which those are quite plentiful, as we know, under Adam Gase off a loss as a non-divisional home underdog. You know, as long as we're fourth game of the year or later. So outside of, you know, the first couple games, uh, eight, two and one against the spread, 80 percent. Maybe the only gay spot, but uh, market tends to kind of overlook them here. And I just think this this could just be another sleepy spot for the Raiders because I think they're going to, you know, coming off that game against the Falcons, they're like, okay, you know, we tripped up against the Falcons. I, they could still overlook this game now, you know, because of like they, they feel like, okay, we're going to get right against the Jets. So uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, going with the Jets, come on, Adam, give me one more before you inevitably get fired as well. Let's get into the best of the rest, which are the games we did not discuss in any other segment. First up, we got Jacksonville at Minnesota. Vikes favored by 10, total 51 and a half. Jacksonville's kind of tempting. They've been competitive, but just see Minnesota, if Thielen's back, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll move the ball on offense and kind of fluky with, uh, what was it, Jeremy Chin, two straight plays, uh, defensive scores. Uh, for the, in that game, Vikings have been giving up kind of some some weird things, but Dalvin Cook's banged up, so uh, kind of lean Jags here. What about you? No feel at all here, none, zero. <laughs> I make the line around nine, like I think ten. Right at, let's see, I think I make it right at ten. Uh, who's starting quarter? Is Glennon starting again for the Jags? Uh, is Cook healthy? Is Thielen back? These are things I'll be watching, but it looks like this is going to sit around ten. Uh, so I had no interest in really digging into this one because my number's right and it's not a spot that's screaming out to me. The Jags defense is so bad. It's decimated. I, but the Vikings defense is vulnerable too. Uh, maybe a, a sneaky over, but no real feel here. 
And the final game, the Broncos plus 14 at KC, Sunday night football, uh, total 50 and a half. Thoughts on this one, stuff? Yeah, I'm curious to get your thoughts. I'm going to go right up for this game. I make the line around like 13 and a half-ish. The little, I think I adjusted a, a couple decimal points up. So right around where the line is. I'm curious about the total, but Bryce Callahan's going to miss. He's been great as a corner for the Broncos. So that'll be obviously a big loss for the Chiefs. I think their quarter, the Broncos quarterbacks are back at least. So it won't be Kendall Hinton. That'll help. You know, maybe the Broncos should have some, some success running the ball. The, the Chiefs should score like they do against everyone. Can Drew Locke maybe have some success in garbage time from behind? That might help the over. Chiefs have been kind of, you know, sluggish in some of these games, these very winnable games, because they just know that, like, all right, if we're down late, we can just go win it, and this team's bad, and we don't need to show a bunch of stuff. So trying to get a read here. I don't have a great one. I'm going to dig into it on ActionNetwork.com and the Action app. I'll be right up for it. So make sure you check out that. But I was curious to get your thoughts here. Yeah, I think this is a spot where, I mean, from everything we've seen, this is one of those spots where it's been tough for Vic Fangio. Uh, In the first matchup, in Denver, 30 to 6, Kansas City. Uh, then in the rematch, 23 to 3, Kansas City. That was with Drew Locke. Steve Spagnuolo called a great game in that one. Uh, and then this year, uh, Drew Locke, I believe it was his first game back from injury. Yeah, and it was like snow. It was a bunch of snow. Yeah, and you had 43 16. Yeah, 43 16 Chiefs. So in the three games that Fangio has faced the Chiefs, 96 to 25 i think the the play is probably the the over if you're going to look at a play i i think you you know the chiefs probably covering this game but you don't want to bet them as 14 13 and a half whatever they are so you know i just until we see something out of fangio and lock and, and this denver defense actually make a difference against kansas city I don't think we can have much confidence. I mean, this has just been – and remember the Chiefs had that, like, long streak against the Raiders, where, like, until this year. It took Gruden, you know, it took Gruden, like, four or five or, you know, six tries to figure them out, and it took Derek Carr even more than that. So, um, I, I don't really see anything from Locke or Fangio yet that, that would lead me to believe that anything, you know, outside of the ordinary could happen. But it's late in the year. But I think, if anything, we might just see a really good Chiefs uh, defensive game. Uh, the Broncos defense uh, is, is still talented. I think they'll give teams problems uh, for the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, the Broncos were a top five pass D. Mm-hmm. Um, I have them, I think, 10th or 11th overall on defense now. But Callahan was so important. A.J. Boye, look at how he like, grades out this year. Not great. Guess mm-hmm. how old he is? 30, 31, over the hill. Uh, so he's past that age where he's no longer an elite corner. I think he's heading towards wash status. And Callahan's been so great for them. Now – and, like, Callan's been one of the top five best corners in the NFL. And, like, without him, you get, like, an Ojemudi. And just when you lose corner depth against the Chiefs, you're fucked. Um, when you lose a guy like Callan. The Denver defense is still good. They have great safeties. I mean, it's the Fangio scheme in the second year. Um, but uh, you're, you're not slowing down the Chiefs' offense. Uh, it's just a matter of, like, when do the Chiefs want to slow down themselves? Or – does you know can the Broncos hit a couple plays early? Can they run the ball and then get ahead? And then the Chiefs will just be like, all right, I'm going to turn it on and come back. If the Chiefs go down in the game, bet the over. You can bet them live here if they're down. Although the market doesn't give you much there. Um, if the Chiefs are up big in the second half or going into the second, half, yeah, even, I don't think looking for at Denver second half is a bad idea. The Chiefs, if they're up really big, they've shown like they did against Tampa. 
they're just going to be like, we're, we don't need to show anything. We know we're going to win. We'll run it. Conservative throws. We'll punt it. And then we know Drew Locke. The only time he's good is in garbage time. So uh, that, those are my initial thoughts there, but nothing as of right now. The, the one thing about the Chiefs, I always kind of – you have to be careful with them because, like, because they, they, they got up big against Tampa last week and then let them come back in, that, that you know, knowing Andy Reid will be the focus. We'll be like, okay, this week we got to finish and just completely step on their throat. So, like, keep that in mind. Like, that, that's the kind of team they are, and they just kind of toy with teams. But, yeah, I mean, Drew Locke, if he could just complete the ball to Jerry Judy at more than a 50% clip, he's 44%, 44.8% completion percentage targeting Jerry Judy. Judy's uh, catch rate for the year is under – 50%. That's almost unheard of for a wide receiver uh, with that many targets. Who's not, you know, like a just situational deep threat. I mean, Judy has uh, 78 targets, 37 catches. So, uh, yeah, Broncos. The Chiefs' last four games are going to be really interesting. This will be a tease for future episodes. But, like, I'm excited this, to look at their game at Miami next week. They'll be probably over a touchdown favorite. But, look, breaking that down. Then they go to New Orleans. So, breaking that one down. And then they're home against Atlanta. Could, will Atlanta have some value with the way they're playing as a nice dog number if their offense is healthy? And then the last game of the year is home against the Chargers, the one defense that always gives them issues. So the Chiefs have some interesting matchups that we'll be able to talk about over the last four weeks. This one, not the most. Yeah, and those are three really good coaching matchups before, of course. <laughs> well, he might not be there by then. <laughs> yeah, right? I was just going to say that. All right, uh, that wraps it up for best of the rest. Let's quickly get into our survivor Pick of the week. One pick. One chance to advance. Survivor. All right. Used a ton of teams. Actually lost twice. Got knocked out twice this year. Used the Giants last week. They hit barely. Who are you going with uh, this week? Seattle. Going with Seattle over Colt. Yeah. Well, there we go. Seattle against the Giants. Russell Wilson against Colt McCoy. What could go wrong? Mm. <laughs> I, I'm... Only half joking, I hope. All right, that is going to wrap it up for this week's Action Network NFL betting podcast. Again, you can follow the picks at Sunday Six Pack on the Action Network app. You can follow Stucky at Stucky2 and me at Chris Raybon. Those are our handles on Twitter as well. And be sure to check out actionnetwork.com and our pro subscription for some great betting content. Good luck this week. Let's get this money. Let's go. We're finished talking.